Hello, and welcome to Monument Biography, a series where we explore how every place can come to take on different meanings for different people, with one space living multiple lives. I'm Emily Neumeyer. the Galata Tower in Istanbul, one of the most iconic monuments in the city skyline. It was recently reopened as a museum after several months of restoration. Our producer, Islam Yildiz, traces the many lives of the tower through the centuries, from a fire station to an astronomical observatory. By following the recent change in its status and speaking with different stakeholders about the restoration process, we touch on wider debates about politics and cultural heritage in today's Turkey. Islam has the story. In the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Galata Tower in Istanbul is still a hotspot for tourists from around the world. Now with the new museum inside, people have more to see than just the observation balcony on the top floor from which you can see a panoramic view of the whole city. Over the summer of 2020, the Galata Tower was closed for restoration. Shortly after the conversion of Istanbul's Hagia Sophia Museum back into a mosque, the Galata Tower was reopened with a party that announced it a museum to tell its own story, as well as Istanbul's. So, a 14th century Genoese tower, loved by Istanbulites and tourists, became a museum. What is the big deal? It's only one more addition to its various uses over the centuries. Fortification tower, prison, fire tower, astronomical tower, tourists' favorite spot to view the city, and for long, one of the few secular symbols of Istanbul's famous silhouette, marked with domes and minarets. But the turning of the Galata Tower into a museum actually tells us a story about the politics of cultural heritage in Turkey in 2020, where one museum was lost, one museum was gained. My name is Özlem Yıldız, and this is Stories of the Galata Tower. the Galata Tower become the Galata Tower? Dr. Mehmet Kentel, a historian of late Ottoman Istanbul, told me about the tower's history. So Galata Tower is part of a fortification system established by the Genovese. It's quite a complex uh, fortification system that really makes the urban life, the daily life in Galata and Pera in a certain way, in many different ways. It provides these narrow, dark, uh, streets, which makes urban crime easier. It gives architectural or structural backbones for informal settlements, which were quite frequent establishments by the Ottomans 
especially from the 15th century, from the conquest all the way until the late 19th century. Uh, people use the walls as their kind of structural elements of their shops, of their informal settlements, shanty-like settlements, etc. It also provided certain spaces for certain professions to do their jobs. For example, ropers, uh, people who uh, made ropes, they were provided spaces in the, along the walls because there were these empty spaces around the walls and the moats of, of these fortifications. So they, they did their business there. So it is really part of a very complex urban life. And the tower is one element within this complex fortification system. It's, the, it's definitely the highest tower, but it's not the only one. There are 23 uh, other ones. It's definitely most impressive edifice in this uh, fortification system. But again, it's part of a complex system. Up until the mid-19th century, they were, they were part of an urban security system. Their gates were locked uh, by midnight uh, up until 1840s, 50s. But as it was happening in Europe, in the Ottoman Empire as well, people were increasingly finding these fortifications quite useless. They were also seen as hazards for a healthy urban life. They were thought to be blocking uh, the circulation of clean air. They were seen as security hazards as well because they created all these dark corners where pickpocketing or more harmful forms of crime could take place, etc., etc. So there was this kind of discourse increasingly uh, gaining a hold in the public perception in the mid-19th century. In 1857, the first modern municipality of the Ottoman Empire was founded in this part of Istanbul, Sixth District Municipality, or Altincidayri Belediye. And one of the first major interventions of the uh, municipality was to tear down the walls to be replaced by much wider modern streets, a modern street network, which started in 1864 and took several years to be completed. And by the 1880s, almost the entire uh, fortification system uh, was demolished. What was kept intact was the tower, which I argue was a very critical moment in the tower's monumentalization process. It really was the key moment that made the tower a monument of Istanbul and the manifestation of Istanbul's past. This kind of monumentalization is also a part of this city planning, trying to clean up everything around. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I mean, this is, there are many people, many experts who uh, claim that this is the way monuments and landmarks should be seen, should be enjoyed, could be understood by cleaning up from their surroundings, from Viollet-le-Duc all the way to uh, 20th century experts, actually. There were a lot of advocates of such a view of cultural heritage that some form of original beauty needs to be uh, saved and protected from 
uh, other layers that kind of disrupted the original beauty and image of the monument. Those sentiments were part of a more complex policymaking process. Urban modernization, of course, was the most important one. Hoping to make gains from real estate development was part of it uh, because the, a network, a financial network that was part of the municipality circles financed the demolition of the walls. In return, they, were, they had access to these newly created land plots and they erected their modern apartment buildings on these land plots. So that definitely was that kind of a financial incentive to this. Cleaning of the district from this pre-modern built environment was also part of it. And funnily enough, one of the architects, or I should say the engineers uh, of this project, Marie Delaunay, who was a French engineer uh, commissioned by the municipality to work in this project, he wrote that, well, actually, uh, demolishing these uh, walls is better for the Genoese heritage of the city because that heritage was already corrupted by all these parasitic, and I'm Mm. using his word here, uh, parasitic settlements, all these architectural uh, semi-informal or informal elements built around these walls, shops and houses, etc. Those parasitic structures already corrupt the Genoese heritage of Pera. So it's better to get rid of the entire thing. And the, and the tower itself would be a manifestation, the last trace of this magnificent Genoese heritage of the district. So definitely all these different sentiments around what an urban, sorry, a modern urban city, a modern urban life should look like went into making this decision and destructing the walls of Galata. Would you say now, in today's world, Galata Tower is a monument? Uh, I think it is a monument. But I think how it is a monument today, it needs to be nuanced. It needs to be historicized. How the Galata Tower uh, has become a monument, it has its own history. Framing the tower as something to look at, opening it into tourism, making it as part of the visual representations of Istanbul in many different layers, from photography to paintings, from all these endless narratives of European visitors coming to Istanbul in the 19th century, entering the city on their ships and looking at both sides, both the so-called European site uh, and the old town and locating the tower there. Uh, So this trope of narrating Istanbul in a certain way. All the guidebooks written from the 19th century onwards that uh, very strongly suggest for the visitor to visit the tower in their first day, climbing Mm -hmm. up, and looking at the other side. So making the tower part of a visual strategy to comprehend Istanbul, because the oriental capital, the old town, the Istanbul proper can only be understood from afar, from a distance where you could see 
all these minarets and domes, but without being lost in the narrow streets of the old town, the dirt and the uh, oriental people. So without necessarily making a connection to these people or these places, but rather seeing it from afar. This is a very strong trope in the 19th century orientalist discourse, again, from paintings to textual uh, narratives. Galata Tower gains in its own place within that particular visual narrative trope. So um, all of these become part of this monumentalization process. I met with Hasan Karakaya, the director of the new Galata Tower Museum. We drank tea at the feet of the tower on a Saturday morning in October. I asked him, how did the processes of restoration and museum making unfold? The Galata Tower has been restored almost every century since it was built. This year, after documents showed it belonged to the foundation of Mehmet II, the interiors needed to be reorganized. It was important to follow a theme going from general to more specific. The top floor sees the whole city, and that provides us with the main line of narrative. When the decision to convert the building to a museum was made, the tower itself told us how it should be done. You don't feel the need to do something else. The building carries traces of every period from the Genoese colony to today. The Genoese walls go up to 13 meters, and then the Ottoman additions begin. We wanted all parts of the building to be open to the public, as opposed to the previous situation, when there were restaurants and shops inside. I also asked who was involved in this process. The Science Board and I worked on the museum together. The General Directorate of Cultural Heritage and Museums, the General Directorate of Pious Foundations, architects, contractors, we all worked together for about three months on the museum's design and what artifacts to bring into the collection. This got me wondering, what kinds of objects were chosen to be on display in this new space? While choosing artifacts, we first considered the identity of the building and the relationship between Galata and the Golden Horn. For example, the Byzantine chain protecting the Golden Horn that extended from the Castalian Castle to the Seraglio Point came from the Rumali Fortress Museum. We brought amphorae from the Archaeological Museum. We included findings from the earliest Stambolites, from the Neolithic period settlements such as Yenikapa and Yarumburgaz. These are mostly symbolic objects because this is not a full-fledged city museum. We chose objects that are not that grand, but that will symbolize each period. For example, we included amphora handles because they have stamps that specify where they were made or who they belonged to. During the recent metro works in Istanbul, it was discovered that the history of the city goes back 8,500 years. We had some of the most significant port excavations in the world on the sites of metro constructions, such as Yenikapa, 
In the museum collection, we included a model of a medieval ship from the 10th century that sank as soon as it set sail from Yenikapo. Then I wanted to know how the neighbors of the tower react to the restoration works and the new museum. Two days ago, we invited business owners from around the Galata Tower to visit the museum with us. They rightfully said that they suffered from the construction's noise, pollution, and security measures, such as blocking some of the streets. But in the end, they were happy to see the result, to be able to visit the entire building as a museum. I then asked whether that kind of communication could have been part of the process from the beginning. For example, the video showing the repair work with drills caused a public outcry. People were afraid that the tower was harmed. Why would we want to harm a building that we have been maintaining and restoring for centuries? There is no logic in that. The video of the repair work was presented to the public with a certain message. In the 1964 to 1967 repairs, the tower was heavily restored with concrete. Using concrete was the approach to restoration during that time. You could see examples of it in the Topkapa Palace or historic buildings in Italy as well. The concrete strengthened the building but changed the aesthetics. The repair work in the video was a removal of concrete to expose the original layer of the wall. It could have been done with smaller tools, but sometimes manual tools cause more vibrations than the drill. There was nothing wrong with the repair work. Now, I encounter people who see that wall and say, I had tweeted negatively about the repair work, but I can see now that the work wasn't harmful and the video was aimed at manipulating public opinion. The presentation of that video shows once again that the tower shouldn't be used for politics. The Galata Tower is not a matter of politics, it is beyond politics. That's how we need to tell people to view the tower. But it is important that NGOs, rather than us, should communicate this to the people. We'll be right back. I talked to Yashar Adanalı, an urbanist and the founder of the Center for Spatial Justice. I asked him, how does spatial justice apply to the Galata Tower and its environment today? Um, Galata is uh, one of the oldest part of the city and the most kind of complex, most multi-layered uh, history that, uh, that you can uh, observe in this area that has uh, episode of history, uh, different groups, different religions, different ethnicities, left remarks on this area and also different class left remarks on this area. This is just at the proximity of the old Istanbul port, that is at the proximity of old commercial hub, but it's at the same time it's at the proximity of the old financial center. So 
you have this uh, extremely complex, heterogeneous urban space kind of concentrated in a very also quite a small space that once defined by city walls, you confine within the city wall that doesn't really exist anymore. And only as one of the last reminding point, the huge tower in a very asymmetrical way is uh, uh, remaining in this area. So what you look from a, a kind of spatial justice perspective that you see uh, that there are all these components that you have to take into consideration. So, you know, in a way, who's Galata it is, right? This is the major question, is it? I mean, at one point, the, uh, this was a Jewish neighborhood. And then at another point, uh, that was a neighborhood for a very kind of high-income uh, businesses and groups. At some point, it was the place for the workers because... Uh, the labor class that has to, that has to come every day at the vicinity of the walls and at the vicinity of this kind of area. So this is like in a way one debate around spatial justice would go around this kind of urban uh, heritage, the memory that whose memories it is, whose how to kind of understand, how to record, how to represent this multi-layered history. Mm -hmm. uh, that is just, and that's, so that's one very clear level. What did you think of the decision and the process of making a museum out of the Galata Tower? One uh, key decision was to take the control from municipality and to give it to the cultural ministry. And from one perspective, this might not be necessarily a bad decision because the Ministry of Culture has a capacity, I mean, you know, that's another entity. and to really give the status of the, such a historical tower, a kind of that status might be a positive development. But there, there, there were different stakes and uh, there were different kind of uh, agendas with this transition. And that's in a, in a way uh, need to be explained that at a moment since the governance of Istanbul was not anymore unitary as it was before from the central government to the metropolitan government to the district government all were in the one party before until the last uh, recent election so Galata Tower was under the metropolitan municipality but it doesn't really make much difference because all of them are controlled by the same party and with the last local elections the metropolitan municipality passed to another political party so that kind of make the, this terrain, this kind of area, especially, uh, who has the power over the old Galata area or the old Beyoğlu area or the old Istanbul or the whole Istanbul. So this become a major issue. At the same time, uh, one of the, the overall macro transformation project of the government, regardless of local or central, was to polish the area, Beyoğlu area, Pera and Galata, with various mega projects and and kind of kind of connect these mega projects with a, a tourism uh, route that is called Beyoğlu culture and tourism route that start from a new shopping mall at Galata port as old Istanbul port being transformed into a huge shopping mall and that would come all the way to Galata tower and then go back to major pedestrian Istiklal Street and end up in Taksim Square. 
Although critical of some of the transformations in the area, Adanalı is not against the decision to turn the Galata Tower into a museum. But he has some questions. The idea of turning tower into a museum is not a bad idea, I think. It is a good idea. But what kind of museum? Again, is this museum reflecting the questions that I pose? Whose Galata it is, no? Like, whose tower it is? Like, because that was it some it, in the past, a Genovese heritage there, a Genovese tower and, 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 and district. There's the Byzantine history. There's the Ottoman history. There's a very important Jewish heritage in the area. Is this museum where it is permanent exhibitions and it is temporary exhibitions is it really aiming to represent these diverse uh, histories of of this area or or something else during the restoration a video of the repair work in the tower went online it was not received well by the public yeah, it was a kind of ugly scene because it's a historical building and some kind of workers using this big drilling machine to, it looks like as if they are really destroying hundreds of years old uh, masonry tower. But in a way, the tower itself was also in a very bad condition, you know, that is the thing. Like, and a lot of work that has been done was really to bring it up, like bring this old walls make it more visible and polish it in a, in, in, in a positive way. So that is, but that is a very clear sign of how this kind of communication problems can become really critical. Like if you don't really open the process, if you don't really kind of involve people, allow the participation of different interest groups as well as the experts and, and citizens groups, etc., then you create this kind of messes. At the time of the interview, neither of us had seen the newly opened museum yet. But Adanalı was not that excited about the director's description of the collection as minor symbolic objects. That also reflects uh, the way in which they curate the exhibition, which is almost non-curation, you know, that is just a, a collage of and uh, not really having a concept behind such museum and mm -hmm. and and probably it is a kind of a process in progress and and very open to uh, my manipulation for, from various di di uh, directions you know like if someone higher at the government level say ah oh, we want to see more our ottoman heritage here or we want to see this and that and you know that is going to be a very much open such pressures. He has another view of how the tower can be presented. How to really, how to make meaning out of it in a way that doesn't just turn tower into a mass consumption object, but use it to give the very uh, layered and complex history of the area to kind of, in a way, manipulate these passerbys with this justice idea in our mind like mm -hmm. how to really allow them to understand the changing process of Beyoğlu, how to make them see the diversity in this area how to really let them think galata tower and Beyoğlu in general as a public space the major public space of istanbul and turkey and so that is our cha challenge with my 
my flat friends, my colleagues, we discussed like, okay, maybe we need uh, an exhibition here as well that only focus on spatial justice of Beolu. We are working the next issue of, at the moment, Beyond Istanbul, our uh, magazine. Uh, the ninth issue will be on spatial justice and Beolu. So we are thinking turning into an exhibition in relation also to Galata and, you know, try to attract some of these flow and give them another perspective and, and maybe allow them to reclaim the city in a different perspective. So it's in a way I also objectify the tower as a, you know, as a means to achieve something else. And, and in this case, the something else is a right to the city, it's claim seeking spatial justice, etc., etc. Again, Mehmet Kentel. It's such a shame that this building has now turned into a museum in such a short span of time with so little curatorial contributions, with so little thinking about what this tower really means for Mm -hmm. the city and for its history. It definitely should have been a museum, I think, but uh, there are much better ways to think about it, much better ways to take contributions from the community, from the residents of Beolu, uh, from the people who actually see the tower every day from their windows, from in their streets, and of course, uh, from a much wider circle of scholars. The decision to turn the Galata Tower into a museum seems to be appreciated by everyone I asked. To open all of its eight floors to public visit, to protect and reveal this centuries-old building and its many layers of history. These are all great. The question is, the new museum creates a narrative of Istanbul and Galata. But does it do justice to all of its different stories? I would love to see the stories of the real people interacting with the tower every day. I would love to learn more about the swift birds whose nests on top of the tower were interfered with during the restoration work. Adanalı says, why not include the story of Sarı, the cat who lives around the tower and knows her way around better than anyone. I feel like there is more work to do for a better museum. But one thing is clear to me. The Galata Tower is not devoid of politics. It has been in the middle of political desires at least since the mid-19th century, and it continues to do so. The conflict between the municipality and the ministry for the management of the tower, the restoration crisis, even the use of the tower's outer walls for projections are examples of such politicization. Not to mention the timing of the museum's opening, in the wake of Hagia Sophia's opening as a mosque. The tower is not a silent witness to history, as it was mentioned at the new museum's opening party. Dr. Kentel tells me the tower is always associated with its sounds in the 19th century travel guides. Someone shouting, Yangamar! to announce a fire in the city, or the drums played on its top floor. The tower has been anything but silent, he says. It actively created space, produced an ever-changing setting. Perhaps the best way to think about the Galata Tower starts with coming together and listening to the loud and messy sounds it makes.
This has been an episode of Monument Biography. To learn more, visit us on the web at stellaonline.art. That's S-T-E-L-L-A online.art. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. A special thank you to our guests, Mehmet Kentel, Hassan Karakaya, and Yashar Adnan Adanala. Our theme music is by Emily DeWolfson. Additional music by Zay Trigueros, Cutworms, and the Istanbul Girls Orchestra. This episode was produced and edited by Islam Yildiz and me, Emily Neumeyer. Our thanks to Temple University and especially Katie Gagenheimer for their support. While the team is spread far and wide right now, our home base is the Tyler School of Art and Architecture in beautiful downtown Philadelphia. That's it for now. Until next time, take care. <laughs>